the mystery box for our children's series. Um, we also will begin our summer sermon series today um, as uh, Aaron wrapped up Eastertide for us last week. And so today, I invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Colossians. Colossians is a letter in the New Testament. So after the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, um, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, you'll find Colossians, and we're going to start in chapter 1. And this summer, we're just going to preach through this book, um, section by section, all verses covered, nothing excluded. And so if you want to sound fancy at a, at a dinner party, you can say, oh, this summer my church is doing Lectio Continua through Colossians, um, which is just a Latin way of saying we're going to go through the whole book. So Colossians chapter 1, today we'll go verses 1 through 14. But as we, as we come to Colossians, as we start this uh, new series, we start it on the day of Pentecost, which is a day that reminds us to focus on the work of the Holy Spirit. So as we read Colossians 1, I invite you, on, uh, for one thing, to pay attention to all of this being the work of the Holy Spirit, that Christ's death and resurrection have already happened. This is a young church in the early days of the church. And everything that is happening is the work of the Holy Spirit. Pay attention to the way the Apostle Paul writes, both ways that he credits the Holy Spirit already being at work and the ways in which he asks for the Holy Spirit to be at work among the Colossians in a new or special way. And also, just today with our, our title, the main question is, who is Epaphras? Who is Epaphras? Pay attention to this note um, in Colossians chapter 1 about who this servant is. But before we come to God's word together, let's pray. God, we give you thanks. For on the day of Pentecost, you sent the Holy Spirit upon your disciples and that your Holy Spirit continues to be at work among us. That as we read the scriptures today, we are reminded that we need your Holy Spirit to read them well, to understand them, to interpret them, and to see you, O Christ, within them. So send your Holy Spirit upon us, we pray, as we read, as we meditate, as we study your word. Amen. Colossians chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard. <clears throat> in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, 
Since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins." This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So who is Epaphras? Epaphras is mentioned three times in the New Testament. He's no Paul or Barnabas or Silas or Timothy or Peter. Epaphras is just Epaphras. Mentioned three times, two of which are in this book, Colossians, and one other time in Philemon. And yet, Epaphras is mentioned with special importance that the gospel came to the church in Colossae, that it came to the city of Colossae for the church to be born through hearing the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ through our dear servant Epaphras. What's interesting about Colossians and different from some of the other letters in the New Testament is that Paul was never actually in Colossae, the city that the Colossians are in. Paul was never there, or if he was there, it was passing through on the way to another destination. The Apostle Paul, the great missionary, the great church planter, did not plant the church in Colossae. And in fact, that's why credit is given to Epaphras, that it was from Epaphras, not from Paul or Peter or Barnabas or Silas or Timothy, but it was from Epaphras, this relatively unknown, unsung hero that brought the gospel to the city of Colossae, and thus the church was born. Now, this is not to say anything negative against Paul's missionary journeys, Because, one, there's just no way that you could go to every single city on your own by yourself. That's not the way it was meant to be. The whole point and direction of Pentecost was that all disciples, all people would be equipped to share the good news of Jesus Christ. So it was never the expectation for Paul to go to every city. But the expectation for leaders to bring up leaders, for missionaries to equip new missionaries, for disciples to make disciples, and for the Holy Spirit to gather them together and send them out. In the same way, when, when Jesus sent out the disciples, he would tell them, go and he'd say, don't even greet anyone on the road. Don't be pulled off to the side. And so for Paul's various journeys, he would have a destination like the city of Ephesus, Ephesus was the third largest city in the Roman Empire at the time of this letter being written. Paul went to Ephesus. He was there, and and Ephesus being large and having trade routes, it was a place to catch all kinds of different people for the gospel message to spread throughout the world. 
And so it was that Epaphras, probably in neighboring Ephesus, when Paul was there for three years, was trained and equipped to bring the gospel. And after going from, after being fully immersed and understanding the gospel in Ephesus, Epaphras went out and went to Colossae, a smaller city along the road, but not of great distinction. It's like a a little stop along the way, going from one grand city to the next grand city. For like, I would think of like a, a Nunica or Coopersville, going from Grand Haven to Grand Rapids. Just a little spot along the way that you might notice, you might stop for gas, but for the most part, you're passing through. This is Colossae. And so Paul's correspondence to this church is notably different than some of the other letters in the New Testament because this isn't a church that he planted. This isn't a spot where he knows all of the people. And so some of it is a little bit less pointed, perhaps, like that phrase from Galatians, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Or all of the specific things that Paul writes to the letters in 1st and 2nd Corinthians to the church in Corinth, naming people, very specifically naming stuff that's happening in worship. All of that is great because he knew these people well. But the church in Colossae is not one that he's as familiar with. So the correspondence at its core is one of great gratitude that it's not just Paul that has to do all of this work but to know that the gospel, as Paul puts it, is bearing fruit among the church in Colossae, that the number of Christians are growing in that city. And so there's a lot of gratitude to be had in this book. In verse 6, we're told that the gospel came to you in the same way as bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world. It's been growing throughout the whole world, just as it's been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. It's as if to say for for Paul, who hasn't met all of these people who will be reading this letter and who will be passing it to their neighbors to read, it's as if to say, you are a part of something bigger than yourself, and this is good news. You are a part of something bigger that's going to go throughout the whole world. And you, in your small city, in your particular place, are a part of it. You're part of something big. And so we give thanks to God for that. It's the continued fulfillment of the day of Pentecost, of the sending out so that every people and tribe and nation and tongue might know Jesus. So this is good news. And also, coming with that, attention of if you're a part of something big, make sure that you don't get lost in the bigness of it or led astray along the way. And so verse 6 being celebrate that you're a part of something big brings us right into verse 7. You learned it, it being the gospel, from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. Once again, the Holy Spirit is at work. It was Epaphras that brought the gospel to Colossae, 
And then Epaphras that also got to go and tell Paul and his traveling companions to, to rejoice, for the Holy Spirit was at work in this city. And thus, we get the book of Colossians. So some of what's addressed of not getting lost in the bigness of something or led astray goes with the fact that, as in any culture, there's all kinds of ideas, and popular movements attract copycat movements. And so one thing that, that, that this letter is for is to clarify and keep central what needs to be central, to keep your focus on what God has asked you to be focused on. There's competing heresies. There's certain movements of, of Jewish mysticism that were present in this region. And so with all of these things that you might hear about Jesus or you might hear about, well, just a prophet, of all of these things that you might hear, a focal point of this letter is to not forget the gospel that you heard. So we give thanks to God because when the Holy Spirit is at work, the true and good things are happening. And this also might explain some of the redundancy that we come to in verse 7. Why would Paul tell the church in Colossae that you learned it from Epaphras? Do they, do they need a reminder on who they heard this from? It would be like you all getting a letter that said, Pastor Audrey and Pastor Stephen are your pastors. And you'd be like, yeah, we know. It's, it's printed in the bulletin every week. And yet, there's a reason that Paul includes what might seem to us redundant. Paul, who hasn't met these people, telling them, this is who you heard the gospel from. It is to hold fast to remember that you might hear new different things. You might hear other things about who Jesus is. But the gospel, what we call the gospel, what's mentioned in verse 14 as the redemption and the forgiveness of sins, what you heard from Epaphras that is the gospel. There will be other things along the way. The Holy Spirit will, will move and be at work in different ways beyond what Epaphras could have ever guessed. But the core of the gospel is what you learned from our faithful and dear servant Epaphras. For beyond that, trust in the Holy Spirit to be at work. But this letter would still be one that would be received well. And I, I guess the scenario by which Paul, who doesn't know all these people, would send it would be, um, and, and part of the, just the context that we will be swimming in throughout all of this summer as we spend time in this letter, would be sometimes big questions come up. Not maybe a singular thing, but just a general wondering. Imagine if a, a new book got published that said all kinds of different things about the Bible or the church or was using some fancy Greek terms that were, were defined in the book but we're not quite sure about it. So some of you might read this book or hear about it just as people in Colossae would hear about different ideas of, of who Jesus might have been. And probably we'd gather together, you'd share your questions with, with elders and ministers, and we'd put our heads together and, and, and wonder and there's some things that we would know, some things we would not know, and some things that we would not be so sure about. I, I imagine as if there was a, a, a use of a Greek word that, that was brought up, and, and I don't know, and um, Pastor Audrey and I don't know, we have Erin, she's not sure, 
And so the next step that we would do would be write a letter to one of our teachers and ask them. And it's as if we were to, if I were to write a letter to, to Dr. John Vonderbrugge of Northwestern and to get a response from him and to read you the letter from Vonderbrugge, who, um, well, none of you know, except we do have a guest from Northwestern here today, so Ross knows who I'm talking about. Um, so thanks for messing that up. But, um, but as if we got this letter from one of my teachers and then we were able to share it. And there would be good news. And in fact, I did meet with Dr. Vonderbrugge a few months ago. And he sends his greetings to you. And is glad to hear of all that's happening here at North Holland, even though he doesn't know you. But we rejoice together as Christians when the Holy Spirit is at work. It brings joy to our hearts to hear of the good work being done in another place that, that we're not connected to, that we've never been but to know that God's Holy Spirit is at work there too. That is what we rejoice in. That's the kind of correspondence letter this is. So there's some questions answered. There's a lot of rejoicing in the book of Colossians about the ways in which the Holy Spirit is at work, in which the church is is figuring out how to take the universal truth of the gospel and live it out in a particular context, like the city of Colossae. Some questions are answered. But above all, it's a a book of gratitude and of remembering to keep what is central, central. Keep your focus where it needs to be. And so it is in verse 9 that we get this reason of rejoicing. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, you Colossians, we, Paul and his companions, have not stopped praying for you. We have not stopped praying for you. We don't know you, we've never met, but we are praying and we are all praying to the same Lord through the power of the same Spirit. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. They're asking God to fill the Colossians with the knowledge of his will, since questions will arise of what God's will is, and to do so through all wisdom through all of the church gathering together to discern with one another, praying for the Holy Spirit's leading and guiding, fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. That the Holy Spirit may continue to be at work so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. That is a crazy run-on sentence grammatically. But we'll forgive Paul the grammar because of the excitement in writing those words to be excited, to hear about what is happening in some other part of the world, to know that God's Spirit is at work. We do the same thing here. We rejoice in the sending and commissioning, and we rejoice when our friends come back, that we can hear, what was God up to where you were? We rejoice when we receive correspondence from our missionaries to hear both the challenges they face that they want prayer for, as well as rejoicing in the fruit that the gospel is bearing wherever they are. 
This is all good news. So who is Epaphras? Epaphras was someone who probably learned of the gospel when he was in Ephesus. We don't actually know where Epaphras is from originally, but we do know that Epaphras was called by the Holy Spirit, equipped by the Holy Spirit and sent by the Holy Spirit from the big, great city of Ephesus down to a smaller, more specific place where the universal truth of the gospel would be manifested in a particular location. Epaphras is one who was gathered and who was sent. Epaphras is not one who had to find the biggest city or start the biggest church or have the most successful social media campaign. Epaphras was just a dear servant who stopped in the city that a lot of people might just pass by or not end up in at all and cared so much about those people to share the gospel with them. And so the church in Colossae was established. So who is Epaphras really? Hopefully, Epaphras is all of us. All of us from wherever we are from to wherever God leads us. We do know that Epaphras ends up in chains. He ends up being in jail. We are all Epaphras in the ways in which we are called by the gospel, in which the Holy Spirit gathers us here, and in which the Holy Spirit sends us from here, from the gathering to the movement of the sending. And we can think about this in in big ways, in in faraway places, in, in exciting stories of cities that we've never been to, but also it happens every single week. Every day, we are meant to be an Epaphras, going to our particular places, whether it be our particular home, a particular social group that we get together with, a particular workplace in which you find yourself. The gas stations or stores or restaurants that you go to are your particular places, just like Epaphras, sent out with purpose, with the gospel on our lips. We are all Epaphras, sent to the places that only you can give the time and attention to. Because no person is omnipresent. We're only in one place at a time. There are places that you go, each one of you, individually, each one of us, that only you can give the time and attention that they need. There's time and attention that only you can give to particular people, to particular places. That's why it's not all on one person to do everything. But Pentecost was the day in which all were equipped and sent. So if you are Epaphras, and I hope that we do identify, all of us identify with Epaphras, where is your Colossae? Or who is your Colossae? Is it a person that you need to reach out to? Is it a coworker or a family member? Is your Colossae a place that you go to? Is your Colossae an aspect of a relationship that you have been neglecting, that you need to put more time into, 
to give it the particular time and attention that only you can give. For Colossae, a family member, or a task that you've been putting off. Friends, the beauty of the gospel is that it was meant for everyone. And the beauty of the Holy Spirit is that it was also sent for everyone. That we can be equipped, not in a lone ranger, all by ourselves kind of way, but that we're equipped by joining together as the communion of saints, for discernment together in the body, in the assembly of the church, for worship together, to refresh our spirits, to learn, for iron to sharpen iron, and to be sent. So as we read through Colossians this week, this summer, as we go through this book, as there's a lot of high ethereal language in it, don't lose sight of the particular. Don't lose sight of the particular that only you can reach out to. Be Epaphras. Be equipped by the Holy Spirit and find your Colossae. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Let's pray together. God, you have called us by your Holy Spirit. And in this moment, we, we don't take for granted that even gathering us here this morning to worship you is part of the work that you do. That every time we open our Bibles, that we read from them, whether ink on paper or pixels on screens, that it is your Holy Spirit that is at work. May you be at work in our hearts and in our lives in such a way that we rejoice when we are gathered together by your Spirit and that we rejoice when we are sent in the same way. Lord, for this gift that we have in the letter to the church in Colossae, may we rejoice in this gift. May we study it well as a congregation. And may we find your gospel call for us in these pages throughout the summer. Thank you for the gift of your word, for the particular gift of the book of Colossians, and for sending your Holy Spirit that we may dwell in your word together, in grace, in truth, in mercy, and in love. Amen.